To the Bare Naked ABCs, where we discuss every Bare Naked Lady song from seven to Y. Sometimes we agree with each other, sometimes it's polite banter, and sometimes it's a full out war. We will have to wait to see what it is tonight. Hopefully, it's not the last one as we discuss the song The War on Drugs. Tonight, joining me, I have Betsy. Hello. And we have a guest joining us, Jay Schiffman, who is the founder of Choose Your Struggle, a company that focuses on issues of mental health, substance misuse and recovery, and drug use and policy, and an expert on the history of the war on drugs. Well, it's great to be here. Thank you so much uh, to both of you for having me and uh, excited to talk about two things that I uh, both love well, in, in one case, don't love, and that is the war on drugs, but do love the, the Barricade <laughs> Ladies. Uh, and as you as you know, because we've been emailing a little bit, uh, the reason I couldn't do this last week is that I was actually seeing Barricade Ladies uh, at this time last Wednesday for the third time in my life, which was great. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, excited to be here and talk about it now. And, and what a song to talk about, perfectly matched up to, to the topic that you tend to talk a lot about. Yep. Um, so just before we get going, we're going to talk about the war on drugs tonight. And here is a brief snippet. Won't it be dumb when we hear it ourselves? Normally, I would ask Aaron what album it's on, but he wasn't able to make it tonight. So I will tell everyone that this album was everything to everyone or everything for everyone, depending on which which time you got the CD. Um, it was written by Paige Robertson, uh, but I think that's more of a formality. Um, basically, Paige brought this to the band. Uh, he he wrote it, brought it to the band, and then they did some major rewrites, which does give them a lot more of the the writing credit. And I think that's where that comes in. And, yeah, it's definitely a Steve song. <laughs> and, and Betsy, I, I have sad news for you. No, dear. This is the last. I'm down. <laughs> yeah, this is the last song that we have to discuss on everything to everyone. Aww. Yeah. Edoe. Edoe is being put to bed after tonight. Aww. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little well, there's sad. There's a lot more. There's at least another year ahead, so I'm not too sad. No, no, but we're going to be hitting a lot of lasts in the next couple of months, and, and this is one of our first ones that we're hitting. First last? <laughs> our first last. So <laughs> I think we've already, we have we still haven't hit our first last on the on like silver ball so you know yeah <laughs> that will be so sad <laughs> <laughs> now how do you really feel uh, we don't have I, heidi or aaron to give us our breakdown tonight um so i i, I we're not going to be able to do that <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um i will bring up some really important pieces that i noticed um that we should talk about musically um and the first thing that I wrote down is that the string group that we mentioned for Upside Down and Unfinished have come mm. back for this song. <laughs> well, welcome back, strings. We missed you. <laughs> and they do. They do a beautiful job in this. Okay. Um, you can tell the difference if you listen to the demo and if you listen to um, some of the other versions of the song that the strings are missing, and I do miss them. It, it, Jim does a great job with the arrangement on them. Oh, yes. And I'm trying, because Aaron unfortunately dropped out last minute, I am trying as we speak to see if I can pull up um, the 
the website by Alan Fogel to get <laughs> the uh, the notes and stuff. Uh, for yeah, he's this. a wealth of information. So he is, and and I'm glad that we have it on here. It just takes me a minute, and I and I didn't have this prepared ahead of time. Um, so while we're doing that, while that's loading up, uh, Jay, a question I I normally ask people the first time on, and I haven't asked you yet, is tell us about your trip to Bare Naked Ladies. Tell us about how you came to Bare Naked Ladies and and where you how it got to now. Oh man, uh, I would say my my earliest memory of Barrington Ladies would be when I was either late grade school or early middle school with if I had a million dollars. Um that was that was definitely the first. Uh but like most people, I think my my love of them uh took off with uh one week and and, and everything that came with that. Uh the first time I saw them was that tour uh with uh my i remember with my dad and my brother and the 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 thing that stood out about that was you know i didn't know who the band devo was and and maybe somebody (laughs) else has been on this this uh podcast to talk about this but uh my dad who was obviously older uh got an absolute kick out of the 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 band coming out for their encore dressed as devo and doing (laughs) uh devo songs um and which i guess now now that i've seen them three times like we know their their mm-hmm. encore or whatever their, the end of their show is always something special and but you know mm-hmm. I, we didn't know that at the time and so uh that's definitely a, a early sort of formulative memory um and i've seen them like i said twice since including last week here in philly uh and and every time they put on a wonderful show and what's really interesting i think about Barrington Ladies is I know a lot of their music. You know, uh, I've got a couple of their albums on vinyl. I've been listening to them. I'm 37, so for at least, you know, 20 plus years. And every time I go to a show, I hear a new one from their older catalog and I go, I've never heard that song before in my life um, because it's so extensive. Uh, And, you know, it actually, during this show here in Philly, what was very funny was they always, you know, list, do do audience participation, which is wonderful. But somebody yelled out, and, and you can help me with this because you're obviously the experts, a song from their Christmas album about an elf. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, and Elf's the, Lament. That's the one, Elf's Lament. Yeah. And the band lost their minds. They oh, paused yeah. the show, doubled over laughing, and they <laughs> said, that might be the weirdest request we've gotten this entire tour. Uh, we usually get some weird ones, but a deep track off our holiday album, yeah. uh, to be quite honest, we don't even remember that song. Uh, yeah. So it was very, they, I mean, it, when the band themselves are cracking up, you know that something good has happened. So uh, that was a really good time here at the, at the concert mm-hmm. last week. That's pretty, pretty far out in left field. Yeah, it's very... Um, wrong time of year and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they probably don't play it live very much. So no, they actually said that, like I said, they said they don't even remember how to play the song. Uh, yeah. and, and they then requested, uh, you know, more requests, more requests as a joke, cause they had their whole set, but they kept saying, it's not like anyone's going to come farther from left field than Elf's Lament. So yeah. uh, the whole, they, they kept pausing throughout their set to laugh well, about Christmas it. Christmas in July, right? <laughs> I guess so. I guess that, yeah, I guess that's it. <laughs> Um, I did. I was able to find the co- the tabs. Thank you, Alan Fogel, for putting this up here. Um, these are the guitar tabs, so it's not the full layout. Um, so, but I will give what I can here. Um, this is a semi two guitar song. Ed plays his country gent, and Kevin plays the acoustic for portions of the song. Both of them capo it at three, and um. Sorry, I'm just reading. Singing, man. Uh, Alan has a lot of notes here, so I'm I'm editing uh, out the stuff that's not important. Yes, um, he's got a lot of information, so that makes sense. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> he says that Ed uses a lot of light trem after each chord is strummed on the album, and also might do it live. Um, and Ed's guitar part has an echo on the delay of the quarter note on the opposite channel. Um, so what we have here, I'm trying to go through. Unfortunately, he's showing the guitar tabs. So he's not actually <laughs> giving me the chords and, and the breakdown of the chords, except to show me um, specifically how to play it. And that does me no good because I can't break that part down. Um, but I will say they they use E minor seven, 
A minor seven, D, D sus two, G, G F sharp, uh, B seven, E, E minor, and A minor. Uh, I know if I had one of our two music majors here, they'd be able to say, oh, well, that may, it must be in this chord then. Um, but I, I can't do that. Um, <laughs> um, so one of the notes that Alan makes, and I'll, <laughs> I'll keep this in, is I think even Ed finds this song a little boring, or perhaps they thought it needed more without the strings. Either way, live, he plays a lot more than one strum per bar on the choruses. He, he also likes to add a lot of stuff to the verses. Play it how you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the minor um, chords make a lot of sense, given the tone of the of the song. It does. And... I I personally really enjoy this song, so I'm I'm sorry, Alan. I disagree with you. Um, <laughs> I thought it was very pretty. Uh, it wasn't one that before you and I started talking that I was familiar with, um, other than I probably heard it on this album, you know, a couple of times. Um, what I thought, what I found very interesting, you know, and we can obviously get into this. This is the whole reason you have me on here is that it really is more about mental health than than you know an outright discussion of drug use or or the topic of the war on drugs um but i i'll say to your listeners you know as a, as a person who had multiple podcasts one of which was an interview show i worked very hard and multiple times to get uh mr page on my show because he's <laughs> such an incredible uh lyricist talking about his own mental health struggles especially you know let's give it up for brian wilson right which i think is one of the greatest songs about depression if not the i mean in my opinion it's, uh, at least of the last let's say 25 30 years it is the best song about depression um so you know i i think this goes right up there with with another with that song brian wilson um but it is more in my opinion about about mental health struggles than it is outright talking about drug use Oh, definitely. Um, and matter of fact, like I, I guess we can get to that a little bit because at the end, the only time that we hear anything about the war on drugs is at the very end of the song. And it could be that he's singing about the war on drugs as literally the war on drugs that America and Canada had um, in the 80s and 90s and then continuing on so but much less so. But I read it more metaphorically. When I hear him say, it's hard to admit I fought the war on drugs, my take has always been, and he's never said anything one way or the other. So again, I think if we asked him, he'd be like, no, I like the fact that people have their own take on it. Um, but my take has always been his fight on the war on drugs has been his own personal fight against using antidepressants. And that at the end of this song about suicide, he's like, I can't believe for so long I fought taking antidepressants feeling this way. And, and you know, how silly was it for me not to, to give myself the help that I need in the process, um, which then goes along with the another died in the world just shrugged it off. Hmm. Yeah, because I think at this time, 2003, maybe they wrote it a little bit earlier than that. No, he wrote it in 2003. So I don't think he was into the cocaine at this point, maybe. I don't know. I not that, that I know of. Yeah, not that I know of either. But <laughs> probably some alcohol. But And yeah. he had finally kind of come to some resolution around using depressant antidepressants and and medications to help with his bipolar mm. i i like that interpretation i think you know for me my reading was that you know knowing obviously that what he would go through in the future uh you know i i, I will say this as somebody who both is an active drug user and is in recovery from from substance misuse and in and, and addiction uh, these things can be squiggly lines, right? It, it is not a linear progression in any means. And so, you know, while it is a thousand percent impossible that he knew he was going to be arrested for, for uh, drug possession, uh, <laughs> it, it is definitely possible that he had had other ill-fated 
whether run-ins with the law or or just with his own use uh, in the in the past, and and I found that uh, a very sort of poignant um, self-admission there. Uh, you know, Tracy, I do like your interpretation. That's a beautiful interpretation of this song, uh, and and to me, probably makes more sense than what what I was imagining. Um, but to me, you know, uh, it almost sounded like, uh, oh, how dumb am I to think that I could be the one that that could beat this, right? Uh, you know, in, in in whether it's you know me thinking back on my. Uh, the first time I was arrested for for selling, you know, weed, I always thought I was going to be the one that got away with it, right? I mean, we all think that, <laughs> um, and, and and of course there is a bit of that feeling of like what an idiot I was to think that I could fight the war on drugs, right? So that's kind of the lens I took it through. Hmm. Now that's a really good point. It's interesting that the the song is named "War on Drugs" when literally, yeah that is the only mention of it in the last three lines of the song. Well, I think what's, what's for me, what, what that uh, sort of rings true to is that, you know, again, as a person who has spent the last now five years in, in really focused on this, but before that, another five years sort of doing this on the side of talking about my own struggles about drug use as a, as a whole, and theory, the history of what we literally call the war on drugs. Um, you know, there is a uh, both a conscious in some ways, but also unconscious effort by a lot of people to separate drug use from mental health struggles, right? We kind of put these in separate buckets. And mm-hmm. as someone who went through that myself, as someone who knows uh, more people than I can count who are open about their own experiences and some people who are not, they're never separate. In fact, no. I have never met someone who struggled with uh, unsafe drug use, misuse, addiction that wasn't also struggling with their mental health. I have met some people who had mental health issues that didn't use drugs like that does happen. But the other way around, uh, not people. I want to be to make this very clear. I'm not saying every person who uses drugs struggles with their mental health. I am saying that every person I know who has struggled with addiction or uh, substance misuse as a whole uh, has struggled with some mental health stuff as well. And those two mm-hmm. things go pretty well hand in hand. Oh yeah, and and the DSM will even the the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual will even back that up. Like the overlap between those two things like which started first the chicken or the egg like it doesn't yeah. matter the two of them are in extra are connected yeah. <laughs> um in a way that you can't pull them apart like and, and drug rehab or alcohol rehab you have to deal with the mental health piece as well because doing and focusing on just one will never work because they are so interconnected Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Yep, that is exactly right. Um, you know, and, and I will say this, that, you know, a lot of the uh, rehab facilities are, let's face it, they're not great, but the really good ones have incredible counselors on staff 
uh, to talk uh, and, and to work with patients on their mental health struggles because, you know, uh, self-medication is a very uh, common thing. You know, I did it. Um, pretty much everybody I know that went through this, that's where a lot of their use came from. Um, you know, a good, a guy that I really look up to, a guy I was lucky to count a friend uh, who's sadly no longer with us. Uh, the writer David Posis was very famous for saying that the reason he used heroin is because he tried literally every antidepressant on the on the planet, and none of it worked uh, to the to the level the heroin did. So you know, it, it is uh, the two are very married, and in a mm-hmm. lot of ways, I think we are very quick to judge people who are using in ways that we would think are unsafe or you know and when it comes to certain drugs again like heroin we are very quick to say nope any use at all is unsafe use which is uh, not true um but but we are less willing to step back and go you know is there a reason behind this or or sort of what could this person be be looking for with that use mm-hmm. and i when I said the song only mentions it once at the very end, I should have said it explicitly mentions yes. it because implicitly I would say that the choruses are very much about drug use and, and the reasons for drug use. It's, it's a, once again, that mental illness part, won't it be dull when we rid ourselves of all these demons that are haunting us? Like, <clears throat> yes, of course, we always say that we want to be rid of these demons and we want to live a happy life and we want to, you know, we want to live to be happy. Like we always thought we were supposed to feel, but no one ever really feels that way. And everyone's always told that they feel that way. Um, but then again, like we always, we all strive toward that or believe that we should have that. And then part of the, part of the reason that people I think approach and use drugs is because they, they are under this fallacy, this myth that life is pleasurable for other people and that it's a happy thing the majority of the time for other people. But the, if we got rid of the things that make us interesting and make us make us struggle, the things that make us who we are, then life would be dull and and weird. And well, and we wouldn't have like a, a good perspective of life either. We wouldn't really be grateful for things. We just take it for granted. I think. Mm-hmm. I think there are some undercurrents of like when she falls in the sleep in the tub. I mean, you could just fall asleep in the tub or you could maybe take heroin or maybe she took like some sort of sedative or something anti-anxiety or, you know, who knows if that's use or misuse. So I think, I think it's like just subtly woven in until the Mm -hmm. very end. But yeah, there's, there's undercurrents there, I think of, of drug use. And and again, never read that paragraph in that way sorry paragraph that verse in that way um but looking at it and thinking of it you're right like i had always read that as a suicide attempt like she's in a lukewarm bath falling asleep in a lukewarm bath often people um i'm I'm not going to go into the details but commit suicide by being in a lukewarm bath uh because that encourages uh bleeding out and stuff um however we're left to deal with the aftermath again. Like it could be suicide or it could be that they were using drugs in, in the bath and the aftermath is them dealing with, with once again, recovery. Right. And and I think what what I was about to say was that I think this once again, just goes back to my point earlier of how great of a writer he is, right. That, that whether it's this one or Brian Wilson, which is not, you know, as a kid, I loved the song Brian Wilson. I didn't understand it whatsoever. I just thought it was a beautiful <laughs> song. Uh, but as an adult, I'm just constantly every time I listen to it, I'm blown away by how beautiful that song is, uh, and and how well uh, Betsy to use your your word from before about undercurrents. He never flat out states, you know, exactly no. what that song is about, but 
it's so well done that you know, especially if you know Brian Wilson's story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, even uh, to take a more, I think, esoteric one of their songs of When You Dream, which is such a beautiful song. And there's mm-hmm. some really interesting points woven into that song that as a kid, I was just like, oh, this is so pretty. And as an adult, I'm like, wow, this is actually a lot deeper than I thought. And again, it, as a whole band, they're very good at that. But I would say Mr. Page is, again, one of the reasons I wanted to get him on the show is that he's just so expertly, he, he expertly writes these these lyrics that um, make you think about different topics in different ways. And and he's so poetic in a way of being able to get you to feel how he wants you to feel by listening to not only the song, but to the lyrics as well, without directly having to come right out and say it much of the time. Um, I mean, he does later on in the song say, you know, that he's talking about mental health and suicide, but up until that point, he's only hinting around at, at the pain that she's in. But in those first two verses, he plays out her life, you know, playing it softly with his song. Um, and they like really gets you to feel what this person's going through. You know, she had a soul and we ate it up, thrown away like a paper cup like paints that picture in two lines. Yeah. I think that the the line that really hits me the most is when he flat out says like, I'm going to butcher the line, but something like, what would you do when you're, if you're living in hell on earth? Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which as a person who again has, has lived through both my own struggles with mental health, but addiction, uh, and, and, and when I heard that, I actually went back to, to prep for this and listened to it like five times in a row. And every time that line just smacked me in the face, right? Because it's so, it's very, the song is very pretty. And then that song was just like, I was like, I felt that, right? Like, like that, that to me rang very true. And then it starts to like really ramp up after that as well. It gets a little yeah. more intense. Yep. And so I, I'm going to jump over for a real quick um to what steven has actually said about this song um and then we'll continue this discussion um but i think this is a good spot to do this um because they they did this song on the itunes original concert and if you get a chance to listen to steve talk about this i recommend going over you can get it you can't get it on itunes anymore but you can get it over on uh bnl archive and just look through the album section then go down through and look for the itunes original concert it's in there but before that song he actually talks about the song itself and writing suicide ballads um and and he said that you know this this is what he wrote or what he stated um um, they moved away from suicide songs for maroon but then returned to it for this album and the song was inspired by a bridge that's around the corner from him in Toronto. Um, it's called the Bloor Street Viaduct, but the official name for it is the Prince Edward Viaduct. It crosses the Don River and it leads from one side over into the Danforth. Um, it was the number two suicide spot in North America at that time and second only to the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. And because of that, they built a cage around it, which they call the Luminous Veil. And they built that in 2003 when when Stephen wrote this song. Um, it looks like a row of crosses with a lot of lines coming down in front of it, like a baleen whales, like the baleen that, that blocks out mm-hmm. the food and lets the water through. Um, and I mean, I'm going to include a page that shows the picture and talks a little bit more about it. Um, they, it doesn't look like the ones that we have here in Maine that serve the same purpose, um, but it was one of the first ones that was ever built. And Steve said that they were finishing it at the time, and he saw it kind of like as a fire sale, like the last few ch- days to get a chance to do it before you go, you were going to do it. If, if you were going to jump off the bridge, this is the time to do it. Um, and that inspired the song, and it, and it came out really quickly for him. He was thinking about how would Lucinda Williams write this and sing it. Um, and originally it was just the same chords over and over again. She likes to sleep with the radio on so she can dream of her favorite song. The one that no 
was small. But in rehearsal, he went out for dinner. And when he came back, the band had actually broken it down in the middle where it becomes very intense. Mm-hmm. And he w- originally was supposed to just be that ballad, just that kind of folksy type type of singing. But when they changed it and made it more intense at that point that you were just talking about, Betsy, yeah, it allowed him to change up vocally in a way that it w- wouldn't have it wasn't possible to do it beforehand. And he says, because Jim did that, it gave him a whole new direction for the song after that. They put a net there to catch their fall Like that'll stop anyone at all What they don't know is when nature Andy like they're both like geniuses at arranging music which is something I didn't appreciate until I started doing the podcast how much Hmm. he really uh, just is has that analytical mind but also like um just like this innate sense of of what should be where and and how to really build a certain feeling into a song I mean, if he hadn't built in the passion in that moment, if Ed and and Jim hadn't been like, you know what, we really need to ramp it up right here, right now. Mm -hmm. Like by doing that, it gives that whole song a different feel and really kind of pulls at your heartstrings when it's finishing on that suicide line. It's like, oh, (laughs) it just tears your heart out. Right. But in a way, it's kind of cathartic, I think. It's it's kind of nice to know that other people feel that way. And so mm-hmm. you're not feeling so alone that, you know, if they're writing a song about it, clearly at least a couple people have also felt the way that you're feeling, you know, in that moment. So, And I'm sure that if, if like, Michelle or Aaron were, I mean, sorry, Michelle, if Heidi or Aaron were here to say so, like they would say like, well, it ends like when it goes back to the, to the calm and, and more subtle music, we're still in that, that minor key. So we don't get resolution. We don't feel like at the end of the song, like that we're in a good space. No, he's, you know, another died and the world just shrugged it off. Like him, it, it sounds like a throwaway line, but it's not because the way he says it, he sounds so defeated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's meant to just kind of like sit there, like you should think about that, you know. Yeah. The world just shrugged it off. Well, and it's it's very easy to feel that way. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. Everybody who does the work that that I do and and live through what I've lived through, like we all have lost people. That's just part of the territory, and you know, we have to figure out how to continue going about our lives. And yet for the sort of greater world at large, and even it sometimes, you know, the communities we live in, it sadly means nothing, right? It's just a, a statistic. And, and you know, those, those numbers that we see every year of, oh, this city lost X amount of people, or, you know, the United States, for example, last year lost 120,000 people to overdose. That is a number that is so big, it literally means nothing to us, right? 120 yeah. people to us means nothing. And yet, if you actually look what that is, um, you know, a couple of years ago, this is my statistic is now a, a year out of date, because uh, two years ago, it was only a, a, about 105,000, uh, which is the size of Topeka, Kansas. So if you think about it in that respect, that this this country is losing one of our sort of mid range cities every single year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, 
look outside. There's no riots in the streets. There's no marches. There's no nothing about this. We see the perfunctory comments from our leader, quote unquote leaders. Your listeners can't see me doing that. I have to do that anytime I talk about elected officials, quote unquote <laughs> leaders. Um, but but we, we see those comments and people like us, we talk about it. And then we have to go about our lives because there's there's just so little that we can actually do other than to mm-hmm. continue educating and continue advocating for more funds and better treatment for people who are struggling and in a better understanding of, you know, things like I talk about of, of how the war on drugs, which, by the way, to, to sort of clarify, doesn't begin with Nixon. Nixon gives it its name that we, that we now know the war on drugs, but actually began in the late 1800s. Um, how that led to people like me not getting the help that we needed, right? Uh, there's, I, I gave a TED talk on that in 2021. The through the, the the through lines are pretty obvious when you actually dig down and look into it. Um, and and we don't really realize that sort of a lot of the things that we think we know that are number one just flat out not true, but number two accepted as fact uh, are why that is the case. Uh, and and these things that that we were taught in schools, even right. I mean, I'm old enough to remember dare and just say no, which were uh, not only let's call it what they were, they were propaganda, but they were also sadly harmful. And what's so scary is that a lot of uh, this has come out in the many years later from credible research uh, by by some great journalists that they knew at the time that it was harmful. And yet mm-hmm. they did it anyway, because it was a, it was a way for mostly the Reagan White House and before that Nixon to continue funding law enforcement and other sorts of things like that, uh, while also farming out, um, um, you know, the, the sort of uh, caring about about drug use uh, to communities and not have to worry about it in Washington themselves. So, you know, these things that are deeply ingrained in our society uh, make it really hard for people like you know Stephen Page to get the help that he needs, and instead he gets popped for for some cocaine. You know, uh, here is a guy who who needed needed help, needed love, and and it sounds like eventually he got that. And you know, like you were saying earlier, Tracy got got the the the, the medications that he needed, but also got the stick. Right? I mean, he also very famously was arrested for cocaine. So uh, it it is it is sort of the uh, uh, you know uh, the you get that the, the carrot and the stick in this situation when in reality as incredible research has showed uh the stick only makes things worse and yet we keep doing it and over and over and over again yeah and he wrote this song in 2003 we know that his cocaine bust was in 2008 like a significant period of time in between there where these lines of like want it be odd to be happy like we always thought we were supposed to be like he's still chasing that even mm-hmm. after he's written this line and you'd think, oh, he's come to some conclusion. No, he hasn't. He still hasn't accepted that by that point. Um, I would say that like his songs today and, and how he portrays himself today would lead one to think that maybe he's in a happier place um, and has come to some resolution around that. But we don't know. Like, we, I, if you had asked me at the time that he was arrested, is he using cocaine? I would have been like, yeah, of course he is. Like, look <laughs> at him. Uh, well, okay. I go back and I look at the at the way that he's looking in hit the photos, and I'm like, uh, well, maybe he's just losing a lot of weight. No, he, yeah, it, it was showing. Um, <laughs> but I, I wouldn't have guessed that based on his mannerisms and behavior at the time. He he is that consummate professional. I wanted to to start us restart us off at this point um, with talking a little bit about this luminous veil that was created. Um, it was it was a hard work that was put in by J. A. Birney. Uh, um, he worked for five years to get this put up, um, and even after five years of work with the city council, nothing came of it. Um, and then in 1997. Uh, uh, New York Times reported that that the campaign picked up some sympathy when a 35-year-old man named Martin Cruz jumped off the bridge to his death shortly after a man convicted of abusing him as a child received a two-year prison sentence, a, a sentence that w- was widely viewed as too lenient. The case drew national attention because the convicted abuser was part of a ring operated by employees of the Maple Leaf Gardens, formerly the arena known as the Toronto Maple Leafs. And at that point, Mr. Birney and Mr. McCamus reinforced their campaign with 
a lot of academic studies that showed similar offenses re- reduced incidence of bridge suicides to in other cities, uh, such as the one the Duke Ellington Bridge in Washington, D.C., showed that the, the building of the barrier there in 1986 did not cause corresponding increases in suicides at the nearby bridges. And and uh, the barriers are actually those considered considering suicide. It forces them to pause and give them an opportunity to think about their predicament and, and then seek help. As a mental health professional, I will add that any experience that can stop or pause the moment of suicide, that is helpful. The, that delaying it even an hour leads to a significant drop in the likelihood that the person will attempt suicide. Suicide's an impulsive act, even when it's planned out and thought out ahead of time. It, it's built from strong emotions, which, can, which can't sustain long. So if you can even just delay it until that feeling wanes, then the chance of death drops. And, and to prove the point, deaths from the bridge have dropped to zero since this luminous veil was erected and the numbers in toronto in general have decreased as well as well as the numbers of people dying by suicide by jumping from any of the other toronto bridges there was an increase for one year and then all the other toronto bridges suicides dropped as well science proves that when people read articles about people dying from jumping from bridges more people do so the year afterwards so even though Stevens Stevens states in the song that you know they they like that will stop anyone at all what they don't know is when nature calls you go the truth of the matter is these stopgap measures actually do work right now they're building one under the Golden Gate Bridge as well it'll be finished this year and people are like why are you wasting the money on that no, it does save lives, not just immediately and at that bridge, but in all the other areas around. It stops people and makes them think so that they then actually do get the help that they need. Yeah, I think he said something similar to that effect of like, didn't he kind of, um, the way that the lyrics kind of read, it seems like maybe, you know, where they, they put a net there to catch their fall, like that'll stop anyone at all. I think, at least I think it's like a slave live from home or some, at some point he kind of like recanted that a little, like well, he said, you know. I mean, I, in 2003, I, that was the feeling, that was the thought that people had, like, this isn't going to stop anything. Like, they're just going to do it again, or they're just going to, no, the, the science backs up that it, it yeah. does work. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And I'm glad to hear that Steven's like, no, I recant that line. Like, yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. It changes his view on it later from, I think, what I what I heard. <laughs> okay, I might dropped on that subject. I apologize. <laughs> but it, it's an important subject. To me, To me, suicide and mental health are, are an extremely important topic. Uh, and so I do want to put it out there. Like, if, if you are having thoughts and feelings of suicide, if you're feeling extremely depressed, please, I know it, it sounds silly but reach out to the suicide hotlines reach out to the text lines just having that person there to talk to through that through that moment through that through that long period of time what feels like it's a long period of time to to decrease that emotion will help i don't think any either of us could say it better than all that you said (laughs) thank you jay (laughs) that's what i'm here for You know what's strange about this song is I was listening to it the other day and I was in a funk and I didn't really feel like listening to it, but the way it opens up, it's almost feels like kind of like a, kind of like a, like this warm embrace. It's like, it's Mm. so like mellow, but it's also like kind of has this kind of glow about it. And when you first, when it first opens up. Um, So that's, that's kind of like, the magic of of Steve and and like Jim's arrangement on this is mm. it kind of it kind of lures you into like this is you know kind of it's okay to feel this way and and then it goes kind of through the you know um, variety of emotions that that come with mental health and 
and then it kind of it it I mean it kind of leaves it melancholy, <laughs> but but it is it is it kind of does take you on a journey, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean you start off like you mentioned, like really ballady, very slow and quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, and you feel like he's going to sing this song about this, ha- like, happiness. We should know better with Steve. No, um, no. Yeah, or if it's happiness, it's usually there's got a little salt in there with the sweetness kind of thing. But... Uh, he, he, there's no salt in the sweetness. He likes to take that salt and just rub it in the wound as hard <laughs> as he can. <laughs> Excoriate a little. She likes to sleep with the radio on so she can dream of her favorite song. I think that's the happiest that you're going to get in the whole song. Because yeah. from that point on, it's down. Yeah, no, it's down now from there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, because then, then like she's dreaming of this song that doesn't exist. So she's always listening for this song on the radio that mm-hmm. doesn't exist. She made it up. Um, so again, like this happiness that she can feel she right. can never she can never fully create she can never fully get like in the very first lines of this song he's he's telling us like she has unrealistic unrealistic expectations of this world but this world also is very cruel to her mhm right also looking at it like when you open up the page and look at the lyrics for this song, this is a very full song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because the first couple times, or the first time I listened to it, I was when I looked down, I was like, "Man, like five plus minutes, like that's that's a long song." And then mm-hmm. you somehow you look at the lyrics, and not only is it a long song, but he packs a lot into that. And, uh, you know, you almost wonder of like, it, could it have been even longer? And they were like, dude, yeah. you gotta, you gotta cut this thing down. <laughs> and so he was like, all right, I'm just going to put everything I was going to say in like eight minutes into five, you know, mm-hmm. um, it just, cause that is a common thing where, you know, the person will come into the studio with like a 15 minute song, like, nope, <laughs> try again. And you end up with like a four or five minute song. So if this ended up at five, whatever it was, 30, what was it when it started, you know, because there is a lot in there. Now my, yeah, I mean, well, the topic of mental health is just packed as well. It's just as, you know, loaded (laughs) essentially. There's so many different types and there's, you know, so many people suffering from it that it, there's, there's a lot of material there. Mm. He loves to go to that. (laughs) <laughs> he loves to go to that that, uh, to that place, place yeah. as much as possible. But that, that's what I love about BNL is he, especially Steve, he makes you feel like he's not just singing about these things. He is going to bring you through the roller coaster of emotions during that time. Right. Um, now there, I I love the original version. But there is another version that I really, really enjoy. It's not the demo version. The demo version is very uh, basic. Um, It's missing the key components. Obviously, it needs to be built up. They haven't done the build-up yet at that point in that song. Um, So there's a lot of pieces uh, that are are missing in that demo version. Um, And I have it written down here with the about the oh um they did put it on the celebrity uk single as the b-side um he sings it less matter of fact um and and the electric guitar is much more up front with a little slight distortion in there i like that they pulled that out because it, it allows you to focus on what's being said and have that music in the background to just kind of like lead you through the emotions but here i'm going to play for you guys my favorite version of the song um which brings back an old bnl um favorite um because is it gonna let me do it oh no let me do it um because it brings back andy cregan and andy cregan is directing 
the New Brunswick Symphonic. And he actually wrote the arrangement for the whole symphony. And of course you have Steven up front and you have the, uh, you have J- uh, Northy and C- Fox in the background. And it's just gorgeous. I'm going to play that for a, a little bit of that for you guys right now. She likes to sleep with the radio So she can dream of a favorite song One that no one has ever sung Since she was smoking She'll never know that she made it up She had a soul Now that's fine. That's beautiful at the beginning. But then we get to the part where it picks up. feels <laughs> oh it, it's big when you have the band playing it is huge when you have a full orchestra building your emotions behind that mm-hmm. yeah that was that was very that was uh very beautiful i wish i had been there for that that, that was one of my <laughs> one of my few regrets in my life is not being at that concert I'll say what this though, if that's one of the few regrets of your life, you're doing pretty well, man. I'm very happy for you. <laughs> I try not to have regrets because you can't go back, but man, oh man, that one I can't let go of. That's fair. <sighs> Do you, yeah. So I guess I didn't realize it before, but he changed the word from it's more trouble than your suicide is worth in the, like the lyrics of the actual mm-hmm. To some suicide is worth. I don't know if that's just to appeal to more people or keep it less specific, but yeah, it's interesting they changed that. I wish he had kept it to your. Yeah, makes it more personal. Makes it more personal and really like powerful, like boom. <laughs> hmm. Like I'm talking to you. Yeah. 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 Well, guys, I I have exhausted my notes on this song. Do you have any more things that you would like to bring up about the song? I don't think so. I think you covered it all pretty well. <laughs> you you did do a very good job of covering it. I think that you know the the my closing thoughts on this is that um, it it. it I would love to have an afternoon to pick Stephen Page's brain on on all of this to know, you know, how much of this is coming from, you know, personal experience. How much of this is coming from just the fact that uh, he's a guy in this world. I mean, like like the the quote that I said earlier about you know when you're living in hell on earth, like that was so specific, but sadly it's also really not i mean there are a lot of people who find themselves in a situation that would that would you know find home in that lyric um and Mm -hmm. and if you know uh what what do you say it was six eight years later when he was arrested for this if if that if this song hit different you know and uh and and just to, to to say i guess thank you for 
doing such a great job with this. And, and like I said earlier with my favorite of Brian Wilson, but, but some others as well of putting these thoughts and in, in these feelings in, into song. Mm. Well put. So. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica report. And you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. What you may not know, Jay, is that we rank every single song zero to five. Zero is we wish it had never been created, was wiped from the earth. That was kind of last week's song for me. Um, How dare you? (laughs) And then five is greatest song ever, belongs on your island playlist. Like, you can't imagine the world without that song. Um, And then, of course, anything in between zero to five. Um, So... My question, Betsy, is what do you think that we should give for a ranking system for this song? Oh. Um, a meter, so to speak. Yeah. I I want to be respectful because this is such a somber song. Like, we usually go jokingly with, with <laughs> this. Right. But... Like, how many... Um... What was the other one? The how many elf shoes for the <laughs> right? How many elf shoes? <laughs> um, lion's ears or yeah, um, viaducts maybe or like okay. or oh. what's the what's the what's the device that they use? Oh, the halo? luminous veil. Yes. Veil. How many? How many luminous well, either one, veils? either luminous veil or or viaduct or I, I do love the 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 wording of luminous veil is really pretty. I think it's interesting that he says that they would that he he mentions raining down on the cars and trucks below and that yeah. particular bridge there are no roadways below that it's, no. it's a ravine but it's also a river like no. <laughs> So he paints a beautiful picture that's not real. Yeah, that would be probably more well not even San Francisco is is over water too I would think but but yeah, I like the luminous veils. How many luminous veils do we give this song? Um, I will let you go first, then I'll go and to give Jay a little bit of time to kind of think about what he wants to rank this. Um, well, I think it's a beautiful song that um, is a very well written and well condensed to kind of portray um, like like lifelong struggles with mental health. So um, it's not always a song I want to hear when it comes on because some, yeah, I, sometimes just I have to be in the right mood for it. But sometimes if I start listening, I'll, I'll just kind of, you know, hear it all the way through because it is so beautiful. Um, so I think I would give it 4.5 Luminous Fails. Okay, 4.5 is extremely respectable. Um, This is going to go with other songs that speak on such very powerful and heavy topics for me. Um, So, you know, when when I think of BNL and I want people to... I want to introduce BNL to to what they can do and introduce them to what what they can expect... um, this is one of those songs that I would definitely want to play for certain people um, to make them understand that they're they're going to have emotions listening to this band. Um, the Flag, Brian Wilson. Um, mm-hmm. This goes on that list. And I can't have them on that list together without giving them the same ranking. I mean, 
is this a song that I want to listen to every single time? No. And the reason is there are some times that I don't want to be put into that space, but the Mm -hmm. fact that he can so accurately and immediately put me into that space to have to deal with those emotions says that he has, he has done exactly what he's aiming at doing with that song. I have to give it a five for me. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with four. I think uh, that I, I, I mean, Tracy, what you said is perfectly true. It, it is, it, it accomplishes a lot. It is a very beautiful song. I will 100% agree with that. And I just think that, you know, personally, I, I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but uh, despite all of their hits, I mean, I love if, if I had a million dollars and all that, but Brian Wilson is my my favorite Beach Boy, uh, my favorite Beach Boy song, my favorite <laughs> Bernie song. This isn't quite that. If 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 this if that's a five for me, if that is a perfect song, uh, and I would even put because I'm a weirdo like that. Uh, when you dream up there as well, because um, it's just very pretty and, and and imaginative. But I would say this falls sort of the rung behind that. Um, I am delighted that y'all asked me to talk about this one because, like I said, it was not one I was familiar with. Uh, and it gave me a chance to dive into it in a really cool way. Uh, I will, it will definitely be on my playlist going forward. And, uh, you know, I, I, am glad that I've had this opportunity to, to learn about it, uh, through your, your incredible teaching, Tracy. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but, but even with all of that said, I think it falls on about a four for me. Excellent. Well, thank you. Jay, you have been an amazing guest and you are a wonderful speaker. Obviously you do it professionally, but like you are very articulate with what you're trying to get across. Where can people learn more about what you have out there and, and see more of your stuff? Yeah. Thank you for that opportunity. Um, I have two podcasts that are both currently on hiatus. Uh, one is called choose your struggle, which was a three, three seasons of, uh, an interview podcast where I talk to people on the issues of mental health, substance misuse and recovery and drug use and policy. Uh, everyone from actors, musicians, uh, like I said, I worked very hard to get Mr. Page and that didn't come to pass. But um, uh, and, and a lot of incredible people uh, who have firsthand knowledge, who are, are, are well learned in, in, in on those topics. Uh, and then I also did a, a documentary show called Choose Your Struggle Presents Made It Season One Stay Savage. Uh, where I told the story of one person in particular uh, who went through an issue of mental health and addiction and came out the other side to create something beautiful. In this case, uh, that or the, the person's name is Sarah Laurel, who I am lucky to call a friend. And uh, she founded the organization Savage Sisters here in Philadelphia, which is a um, nonprofit, uh, it's a harm reduction nonprofit aimed at uh, helping people struggling with addiction, and, but also educating around these these issues. Um, and, and that was a show that was a lot of work to make. Uh, and it was a really beautiful payoff. Um, you know, the family has been just so kind and, and a year later still talking that show up. Uh, those all can be found wherever you get podcasts. Search for Choose Your Struggle and those will come up. Uh, my website is jshiftman.com, J-A-Y-S-H-I-F-M-A-N.com. Uh, I do, like you said, I do speak on this um, both professionally, but also like, as you can tell, I, I care about it very deeply. I've gone through this and, and during covid uh, the first early days of COVID, I spent a lot of time working with people one-on-one, uh, not for pay or anything like that, just being there as people kind of who before had never dealt with anxiety, dealt with these these issues of mental health. All of a sudden, we're going through stuff and going, oh, my God, like, this is, this is different. This is real. Um, so, you know, I always say this whenever I speak because – as someone who lived through multiple suicide attempts, as someone who lived through an overdose, you know, I wish I had reached out to people in that moment. So I always say to people like, for real, reach out to me. Um, first off, there's probably somebody in your life who loves you and would love to be there for you. If you really don't think that that's the case, I am always open. 
to, to chat. You can find me on my website, social media, whatever. Uh, and, you know, both sadly and, 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 you know, not so sad. People have taken me up on that offer. Uh, I've had random people reach out to me and say, I heard you on whatever show. I uh, heard you speaking at this place. Uh, I don't know how to talk about this issue. I don't know who to talk to about this issue. Um, and I, I will never say, I'll never say it's something I like to do. Like, it's not, I don't get pleasure from it, but it's something I will do all day, every day, because, you know, as someone who lived through it, I know how impactful it can be. So, you know, definitely, if you're going through some stuff, please reach out and uh, definitely would be happy to talk. And in the show notes, I will also be putting, um, there was an interview that you did on Michelle Kwai's uh, YouTube show. <laughs> yeah. And also, I was able to find your TED Talk um, oh, on YouTube. Sure. And so I, I'll be putting in the uh, the the link for that as well. Right. Um, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, guys, I got to I got to go because, you know, there was this huge sunspot the other day that exploded and like it was supposed to be hitting us all day today. So I don't know about you, but I want to be watching the Northern Lights tonight. They're supposed to be spectacular. <laughs> yeah. Every time. That's awesome. Enjoy that. <laughs> all right. Thank you guys. Thank you. <laughs> Have a great night. Thanks. I thought you were going to say thanks. That was fun. I was waiting for it. <laughs> I got you to say it for me. Thank you. Ah, thanks. <laughs> that was fun. Thanks. That was fun. Don't forget. No regrets. Except maybe one. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.